beyond the sea She's there watching for me If I could fly like birds on high Then straight to her arms I'd go sailing Like what you've heard? Listen again online at drewmarshall.ca The stars, it's near beyond the moon Well, John Tesh, two-time Grammy-nominated, four-time gold-selling artist and six-time Emmy Award winner, has launched a three-fold campaign for the next phase of his musical career, the release of his John Tesh Big Band album, uh, National Public Television Special and DVD, and 2012 Summer U.S. Tour. The John Tesh Big Band album will include tunes recorded in studio of the songs featured on the live public television special, of course, look, uh, John Tesh, all right, 25-year career includes nine hit public television specials, a string of number one radio hits, and his popular nationally syndicated radio show, Intelligence for Your Life, in which he has 14.5 million listeners, I'm out of breath, will be playing homage with his big band experience to jazz, big band, and swing music that shaped the world from the early to mid-20th century. That might be the longest run-on sentence. That's like Conrad Black. That's a Conrad Black sentence right there. <laughs> John Tesh, I think, joins us for our possibly third time on the Drew Marshall Show. One of my favorite guests over the years. What a suck-up I am. John, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, thank you. Welcome back, and uh, well done. I'm glad you're doing this. Uh, I'm a big band junkie myself, and you must be having a lot of fun with this one. I am, and people are like, you know, why would you would you do this? What's this all about? And and uh, if you look at my life when I was a kid, I, I went to like a one of those before they called them this. I went to a performing arts elementary school actually on Long Island, and we there was no there was no choice. You had to play an instrument or you had to sing in the choir. And so uh, I they asked you they asked you for your top three choices you know, of instruments, and so I picked drums, drums, and guitar, thinking that if I picked drums twice, it would increase my chances. Uh, My my early years of statistical analysis, so they handed me a trumpet. And uh, and that's really where it started for me. I was born in 1952, so when I was, you know, six or seven in first grade, I was was playing these big band tunes, like the easy versions of them. So this is really the music I grew up with until the Beatles came along and and sort of wiped everything out for a while. John, I too was also in a a bit of a band, a school band. Uh, My instrument of choice was the triangle. Very, very stimulating time in my life. Now, that means you're a percussionist. So... The per, but percussionists, what people don't realize is they think the guys are standing back there with the marching drums and the piatti cymbal and and the, and the triangle. They're thinking, oh my gosh, these guys are just playing whatever they want. But the, the, actually, the sheet music for being a percussionist is much more complicated than that of anybody else in the band because if you make a mistake with those big giant cymbals, <laughs> it's probably the biggest mistake that you're going to make in your life. You know, yeah. You're the biggest loser in the band. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine Mr. Wagner not being too impressed when you blow that trumpet in the wrong spot, right? Oh, Mr. Wagner. I just saw Mr. Wagner a few weeks ago on Long Island. This is my, my, my trumpet teacher, who is uh, 89 years old, that came to see us play at the Westbury Music Fair. It was, How cool it was, was that? a wonderful experience. Oh. It was great. Now, listen, as far as Mr. Wagner is concerned, you know, are there a list of some other... Oh, Father's Day being tomorrow. Uh, happy Father's Day, by the way. Any other guys that you would look back over life, John, and say, man, I got some good fatherly advice from these guys? Yeah, and it was mostly... Um, you know, it's it's interesting because you know your dad's your dad, you know, and all that. But 
But uh, and we've given this tip on the radio show before, and I even had it in you know read it in a book, had it in my book, and it's that you know, we're trying to figure out what you want to do in life, what your passion is. You're supposed to ask five people that are important to you in your life, and your parent you can't ask your parents. So you ask uh, you ask a favorite uncle, you ask maybe the pastor who confirms you, you ask your gym teacher, you ask your you ask your Mr. Wagner, your trumpet teacher, and you say, you know, what do you see me doing? And I went through this exercise when I was working for uh, for Entertainment Tonight for years, and not one person said, we see you reading a celebrity version on television. <laughs> they all said, we see you sitting behind a grand piano. Uh, and so, there, yeah, there have been a few, like Mr. Wagner's one, my gym teacher, Mr. Mr. Muller, who was also, I also just saw him in, in, you know, in Garden City, and my uncle, Uncle Charlie Bunn, who was, if you ever watched Mad Men, he was, he was probably John Flattery's character. Right. And... Um, <laughs> So always had a Manhattan in his hand. It was this, it was a salesman, you know, and, and an ad agency guy, and uh, and a madman. And and so you know those those yeah some of those guys. You got to have like one tough guy, one bon vivant, and and maybe a guy who knows how to shoot a shotgun. You know, those, I had those guys in my life. So. <laughs> nice, nice. Now listen, you're known for doing lots of cool uh, lots of cool bits on your show. So I want to do a little bit with you. Okay, this one's con- called recently or soon normally you know they do this on this date right back in 1952 on this date blah 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 this one's called recently or soon so here it goes you ready john yeah i think Go ahead. recently um if i understand things right your daughter prima turned 18 a couple of weeks ago uh, is that true true does that scare you? Does that freak you out, man? You have an 18-year-old daughter driving around. Oh, I know you've got the stalking GPS device in her car, but does it freak you out? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Nothing freaked me out more than yesterday. Yesterday, she graduated from high school. And, um, yeah, and so that to me was, and I sat down uh, and I wrote her a letter um, to put in my in the card, and the letter just destroyed me. It was just you know, it was just going over all the stuff we've done together. And you know, I've I've had a blessed life, and that I've been able to do our radio so from my house, and so 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 I'm able to like drive her to school every day. And now now she's driving, I could walk her to her car. You know, when she gets out of the car, she walks into the studio, and and and, and we're able to talk about her day. And it was a very unusual relationship, not the relationship that my parents had with me. Um, and then when we went out and toured, she was able to dance with us and all that. So it really was saying, it's going to be saying goodbye to a friend. She's going to move to New York to, to dance and then we'll be, you know, in Los Angeles. Although we've talked about maybe moving and not telling her <laughs> <laughs> moving behind, behind her dorm. But I, I, did I, did I ever do the, did I ever do part of the rap song that I wrote for her? No, not on my show. Um, not so far. We, we, we went to, uh, uh, I'm always talking on stage about, you know, what it's like to have a teenage daughter and everything. And I just thought, you know, I'm going to write... The stuff that I listened to in the car with her was, you know, all the Kanye West stuff and all that. Just, just I listened to what she wanted to listen to. So I said, well, I'm going to rap. I'm going to write a rap song. She goes, Dad, no, don't do it. So it became... I won't do the whole thing, but it became, yo, my name is John, and I've got a teenager, and she's at that age when boys want to date her. And though I realized this will eventually occur, I picked up a few things so I could protect her, like mace and pepper spray and <laughs> night vision goggles and a lie detector and two guys from Chicago. I've been driven to this by the thought of her dating and the next step is enhanced interrogating and it just keeps going you know? now were you able to fit the word washboarding into that song at all no uh, no. Oh, waterboarding. Uh, water, well, washboarding, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think washboarding is an instrument, to be honest. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, it is. It's a Zydeco thing. I think that's what that is. Exactly. Oh, man. Okay, all right. Um, now, listen, when my son went to – we used to live in Australia. We were there for five years, and, of course, my son wanted to move, you know, go back for a year and hang out with his buddies and do stuff. Um, 
when he left, when he was going through the airport in customs, dude, I was a wreck. I mean, I was like crying yeah. so much I had snot coming out of my, you know, real tears, yeah. right? Uh, with yeah. her going back yeah. to New York, how do you feel? Let's get well, let's, let's I, get emotional. I have, a, I, have a, I have a stepson who is um, who's thirty now, who just made us our grandparents, and he. Uh, I remember dropping him off at school thirteen years ago, whatever it was, and um, I was the one. My wife was fine. I was the one that was sort of wrapped around his leg, you know. Uh, <laughs> it, that it's it's. I mean, parents are listening to this. It, it, I mean, they they understand what I'm talking about. Some of them have done it with three or four kids. But um, I guess I guess your feeling with the snot coming down your face and everything, isn't it great that you can have that feeling? You know, there are a lot of parents. This is what I'm going with, by the way. But a lot of parents. What was that? Lucy, Lucy, the dog was going crazy because I think we have a coyote out here somewhere. Okay. So if you hear me scream, you'll know what happened. Okay. Um, I live in the woods, so there's that. <laughs> and it might be a skunk. This Wednesday night, I was sli- I was uh, staying at a place in Bell Canyon near Calabasas, and uh, the coyotes there were insane in the middle of the night. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 pretty, and they don't, and it's like they have such attitude, you know. The coyotes here are a lot like Charlie Sheen. You know, they, just sort of, <laughs> they sit around, they got like a cigarette hanging out of their mouth, you know, they're like, where. <laughs> Where are the princesses or whatever that is? Yeah, the yeah. goddesses, you know. Yeah. And the, god- the goddesses for the for the for the coyote for the L.A. coyotes. The goddesses are the chihuahuas, and there's plenty of those. Right. <laughs> but people, people don't realize about really about, about Los Angeles is that yeah, it's the Hollywood sign and everything. But there's a lot of there's like a lot of you know hills and mountains and stuff out here. And, yeah. And so there are things like coyotes and bobcats. You know, and there's but but then there's a lot of the Paris Hilton variety of animal and, and that and, and, and Paris and, and her friends they all have they all have chihuahuas and we have all kinds of um you know, there's a whole bunch of owls here too. Now an owl will will, will love I mean people think of owls as who who an owl is a is a is a predator and an owl will take a we've seen um we've seen chihuahuas flying before and they're not supposed to fly. <laughs> I know there's probably some some PETA or ASPCA person saying you can't talk about that on the radio. Yeah. But it's, yeah, we we have flying chihuahuas here. That's not a good thing. They don't, they don't look happy while they're flying. Dude, that's funny, funny stuff. I'm sorry, uh, what were we talking about? I don't know. I have no idea, man. <laughs> I'm okay. We were, I was screaming at my dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like in the middle of me living my life here. Yeah, um, I I think it's I think it's great that uh, this is what I'm going with. I think it's great that I actually. I actually care that my kid is going away, so there right, we go. Right, that was it. Okay, nice summation. Uh, recently, uh, it was the 16th anniversary of your last Entertainment Tonight broadcast. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a long time ago. You know what the weird thing for me with that whole deal is? Is that I had like a... I was doing local news and sports and stuff for... Gosh, it must have been 15 years, and that was my life. And I was sort of... Except for, you know, in New York where people know who you are, the cops do. You're sort of toiling in anonymity. You know, you're doing your job. And then all of a sudden, I got this call when I was in Europe doing an obscure sporting event uh, from the guys at Paramount saying, "Hey, uh, would you like to come uh, you know, work on Entertainment Tonight?" And I'm going, well, "What's that?" You know, I had never seen it on the air before. So I came and did the audition. They said, "If you'll work four hours a day, we'll build your recording studio because we know you like the music thing, and come try it out." And all of a sudden, 23 million people every night are seeing you, you know, talk about flying chihuahuas and stuff and and it and it's and it's like wow what the heck just happened yeah. so for 10 years i was sort of i was sort of as far out of the witness protection program as you could get you know everybody knew who i was and it was like whoa what happened? you know and um so 
But that was what I was known for. So people are like, oh, you're the entertainer. And still, I'll go through airports. People are like, ah, da, 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 da. you know. Wow. And hold on, hold on, hold on. Legit, yeah. seriously, you have people come up to you and do that attempt of the theme song, like they make oh, that. Oh yeah, sure, sure, yeah, yeah. I get that, and I'll or I'll get which is the NBA basketball theme. Um, so I'm just yeah, I'm just sort of. Was a, that in Spanish? What you just did there? Yeah, well, that's the that's sort of the musician thing when you're trying to you know you're trying to write a song and. You don't want to go. Da, 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 da. So you just go. You make up like stupid vowels. And you go. That's that's for sports. That's for sports things. And if it's, and if, it's if it's late at night, you're writing a love song. You're going. And I'm the last one at the party. You know. Yeah. And then you wake up the next morning. You're going. Was I drinking? What the heck was that? That's not a song. Dude, you're <laughs> killing me. Killing <laughs> yeah, me. me. Too. Oh, yeah. man. Okay, I don't want to talk about entertainment tonight anymore because I'm terrified. I've got so many lovely things to chat about. I'm terrified you're, they're going to be taken away by a coyote here soon. So um, soon, remember we're playing recently or soon. So we did two recently. Here's a soon. This is such a bad shtick. Um, soon you will be turning 60, John Tesh. Yes. yes, correct. That is true? It's true. And actually my son, because tomorrow's Father's Day, as you mentioned, my son who's celebrating his first Father's Day tomorrow had just called me and said, Dude, he says, dude, dude, we're going for tattoos in in three hours. Are you ready? And because uh, that's what I, I got a I got a, uh, a gramp stamp on my right arm that says Conchetta, which is my wife's real name. And and now I'm going to get my grandkid and my my kids' names on my on my uh, shoulder. And, got, hold on, hold on. I I really I really have to clarify just for our listeners, just in case that was misheard. John Tesh did not get a tramp stamp. He got a gramp stamp. All right. I just want to make the sure that's clear. Stamp. Yeah, no, 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 please. Yeah, I'm sorry. Did I say transdev? I didn't mean that. I may have been thinking that, but I didn't. I mean, I'm terribly sorry. Thank you for your correction. Uh, that's how this stuff just gets going the wrong direction. Yeah, um, yeah so um, and it's funny because cause my, my, my sister just said to me, she goes, she goes, well, what if you, you know, what if you don't, what if you don't like the tattoo later in life? And I said, it is later in life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hence, hence the need for the red ink, right? And I've been told yeah, the red, I've been told the red ink hurts, man. The red cross, it hurt. It does. It does. Thank you. Listen, that's a killer tat. And uh, John Tesh, sixty years old, talking about tattoos is something I've always dreamed of. And by the way, you do look fantastic, darling. You look marvelous. Uh, I oh, just thank you. Thank you. Well, I just I just had lunch at Trotanoa in Malibu and ran into Suzanne Summers, who is sixty five, and I think you're doing what she's doing. Are you taking your blood out and fixing it and reinjecting no, it and all that I'm stuff? Not, I'm, no, I'm not doing that. I I, I am sort of a, and I've always been this way. I, I'm sort of a workout fanatic, and I, I and I you know I study this stuff all the time. So um, you know the interval training, and I wear a heart monitor and all this you know all this madness. I had about it was almost exactly three years ago. I had this um, terrible uh, uh, health uh, issue where where my my um, I woke up after a concert and I was actually in in uh, in London, Ontario, and and my my uh, my leg was paralyzed. My left leg was paralyzed. I couldn't walk, and they shipped me home. And I was in a wheelchair. And they couldn't figure out what was wrong. And it turned out that a um, a piece of disc material had broken off uh, right by my spine, the L five. And landed on S one, my uh, nerve root. I'm like an expert on this stuff, and it and it did it paralyzed me. It sounds like you're playing bingo and, with all those. Uh, uh, I know, and it's a, and it's a dangerous bingo game that one. And uh, I couldn't find anybody to operate on me. And finally, I found this guy, um, this guy, surgeon, uh, Dr. Ronald Moskovich, a South African gentleman at NYU, who works on you know all that Yankees and, and glory stuff on everything. And, 
and he, um, in one day, did a microdiscectomy and, and fixed me. And people who are listening who have been through these issues or have been into a pain center, they know that, um, I mean, I literally tried to take myself out with Vicodin and vodka uh, because I just could not stand the pain. You can't get away from it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and even when it's in people's necks, it's worse. So he, he, he fixed me, and I just said, you know what, from this moment on, and I've always been in reasonably good shape, but um, I just really wanted to make, get myself strong enough so so that I could protect you know all of that you know that whole that whole area. So it was really inspiring as my 60th birthday was coming up. I was saying, you know, I want to be the most fit 60th or 60 year old you know on the planet, mm. which of course I'm not going to be able to do because Mick Jagger is that. <laughs> yeah. um, but, yes. I, I can't. I can't do the rooster dance either. No, but, but at least you know, uh, you know, you know this. I mean, uh, baby boomers are never going to quit. We won't retire. You know, we won't shrink. We don't want to. We don't want the AARP card. We just want to. <laughs> we want to keep going. Yeah, um, you know, there is one guy that I don't think looks as good as you, nor does the kind of thing that you do, but yet is attempted to copy you. So there are enough people out there in the world that have tried to emulate John Tesh. Often copied, never duplicated. I don't know how that thing goes. Donnie Osmond, what is up with Donnie Osmond copying the Teschmeister? Oh, I don't. I think Donnie was in. Uh, well, he was in. in um, well, you know, he was in, in entertainment uh, performing long before before I was. I think. I mean, he 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 decided he he's you know going to um, release a radio show and he's good at it. And we actually uh, one of the one of the producers on the show. Um, but he's, he is that guy, you know, you think of Donnie Osmond as, and I've known Donnie for a while, but you think of Donnie as, you know, oh, is that nice, Donnie and Marie? But this guy, <laughs> this guy will track you down and kill you. I, I mean, with, with his... <laughs> with his coyotes? Seriously, with, with, with his, yeah, oh my gosh. I mean, he's, Donnie is like a foxhole buddy. I love, I love you know, my, my brother-in-law and my son, Gib, um, you, it, it's like the guy you want in the foxhole who's not a metrosexual, sexual, who, when something happens and the bombs start going off, he doesn't get behind you and push you forward. You know, <laughs> he, he, he lays his body over you. You know, and he's a—he's sort of a marine without being a marine. He's a right. really good guy, and it, although he doesn't look like a tough guy, yeah. You know, you don't get you don't get through that dancing with the stars thing without being tough on some level or another. That's true. That's you know when I think of tough, I think of Delilah actually. And she, I was talking to her yesterday, and she wanted me to ask you: Is it true that someone keyed your car? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, she's trying to like you know get something. Um, yeah, you know, that's I, well, that's actually what I did. I phoned her up and said, y- "Do you have do you, like? Can you, is there any smack on Tesh? Anything?" And that's what she came up with. First of all, Delilah. I don't think Delilah likes me all that much. She, you know, <laughs> we we went in and and <laughs> see now you started it. Um, we you know we we started a radio show. Her radio show has been on forever, and we started a show that ended up being, you know in, in a competition with hers. And I love good competition. Yes. Um, but uh, I'm not sure she does. But maybe she does. I don't know. R- rumor is that she that, that she doesn't. But but we'll leave it at we'll leave it at that. Huh. Yes. What the story she's trying to set up is that I was out on the road, and I was out too long in the road, and I was being sort of a jerk, and 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 my wife Connie and I weren't getting along, and I was being a jerk even more, and all of a sudden I started getting these phone, and I had a baby at home, and I started. This was like 15 years ago. And I started getting these phone calls. Hey, I'm calling about the car. And I was on the tour bus. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? Wrong number. Click. And then another half. Oh, hey, I'm calling about the car. I'm like, please. And another call. And finally, I'm like, what are you talking about? And they go, well, the car that's up on Mulholland. And I said, what, and so what, do you, what do you mean? He said, well, the, the Porsche Carrera. And I said, 
um, what's the license plate? <laughs> <laughs> they gave me the license plate, and they said, yeah, and it's got some damage on it. I said, what are you telling me? I said, well, it looks like somebody keyed the sign, but well, long story short, I had purchased that car without full approval from my wife, <laughs> and um, it, which is, a, you know, it's only a $140,000 automobile, and, uh, and we were having a little bit of an altercation, and she... Yes, he put the Porsche up there, put it for sale, and and, and it did sell. <laughs> and 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 then when I got and when I got home, I I was dropping my. He really opened up a Pandora deal oh, here. Gee, I'm so I, sorry. <laughs> but, but you know, and Delilah didn't think I was going to tell the story. No. And so then, then I dropped. Uh, I went to drop my daughter off at school, you know, at preschool. Yeah. And the and the headmaster of the school comes running and goes, "Oh my gosh, John, thank you, so, thank you so much, thank you so much." And I said. Um, uh, she goes, you don't know, you don't know what's going on, do you? And I said, well, no. Her name is Janie Lewis. She said, well, follow me. So I followed her into the auditorium, and there was my nine foot grand piano that my wife had donated to the school. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. my goodness! No. Okay, hold on, hold yeah. on, John. Seriously, tell me you've shared this many times in public before. Not really. Not really. <laughs> no, I, I, I haven't. But, but. But, but my therapist said, my therapist said, you need to talk about it. So here I am talking about it. Well, you know, and, and, and the funny, now you know that, that if you ever came by our house, you probably would do the same thing I do, is that you sort of, you know, check and see what kind of mood my wife is in before you get in the house. <laughs> oh, my, my wife, goodness. My wife demands a loving, respectful partner. She's full-blooded Italian. We've yeah. been married for... We're on our twenty first year now. Twenty yeah, first. And and if she doesn't get that, she doesn't ask twice. <laughs> Man. You know, I was gonna ask you what's it like being married to the woman who's always the smartest person in the room, right? But I'm not gonna ask that anymore. Well well, well now you know. Man. You know, that's a, you know, that's like later or soon. There you go. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay, listen, can can you just tell us the Walter Cronkite and coffee story? Killer story. Sure, yeah. Uh, I used to work at CBS News, uh, at CBS Local News in New York, and, which was in the same building that uh, I was on WCBS, and Mr. Cronkite was on, was on, of course, the nightly news. You know, uh, uh, and, and the big thing was, you know, we'd sit around the newsroom, and it was me and John Stossel, Meredith Vieira, and Bill O'Reilly. We were all in the newsroom at, at Cub Reporters at the same time in 1976. <clears throat> and so we would, um, we'd, we'd always dream of maybe walking down, walking down the hallway and seeing, and, and, and seeing Walter Cronkite, and um, so uh, one day he was, you know, he was walking towards me, and I was walking towards him, and um, I've got my script and a, and a, and a, cu- and a cu- cup of coffee in a plastic cup, and he's got his script with coffee in a plastic cup, and we're walking towards him. I'm going, oh my gosh, this is like some sort of a parallel universe thing. Look at him. That's Mr. Cronkite. I never met him before. And, and, and he's got his script for the nightly news. And I've got my script for the local news, all the car crashes in it. And so we're going to pass. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? Am I going to say something to him, Mr. Cronkite, Walter? What do I say? And my hand is just shaking like crazy, you know? And the coffee is pouring. It's just spilling all over my wrist. It's just burning me. I'm like, oh my gosh. So Mr. Cronkite looks up. He sees me. And he, sees my, he sees that I'm in pain. And he sees that my hand is smoking. And, and he goes, he goes, uh, he goes, uh, bend at the knees, bend, bend at the knees. I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry, sir. He goes, shock absorbers, shock absorbers. And I said, well, I'm sorry, why? And he goes, the way you're burying your coffee, man, you're burning yourself to death. Shock absorbers, <laughs> bend at the knees. And then he walked by me. <laughs> oh my like, what the heck just happened, you know? <laughs> That's weird. That is weird. It was I mean, beautiful, though. It was, be- it was a beautiful, it was so pure and wonderful. It was like Mr. Cronkite. Yeah. 
he saw that I was he saw that I was in danger. He cared, and and he and he wanted to be of service, and that's the last time I saw him. Man, you know, uh, being six foot six, and and can you imagine if that had happened back when you were in junior high, hundred and forty five pounds? You know, you and Walter Cronkite. You I mean you would have awkwardly tripped over him like some glee geek, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I wish, I wish, I, I wish I was a a kid now because that would have been cool. Like back in the day, I was not cool because I was a band geek, and but now that glee has happened, it's like since they talk like this and carry trumpets are cool. <laughs> so. Really, really bad timing for me. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, listen, 1930s, big band era. You know, someone just asked me the other day, said, uh, you know, you do that whole go back and live, you know, what time, you know, get into the Doctor Who tra- a teleporter machine or whatever it is. And, yeah. and uh, man, I would be, I mean, aside from the depression, I would love to have lived back then. Totally. Uh, oh, gosh. Yeah. You know, parents television council or something just did a thing about they, they they were trying to chart what was going on on the radio and, and you know kids on hip-hop radio and they they did a thing where they measured uh they listened to the songs for like a half hour on, a, on an average radio station and they said it contained it contained 35 strong reproductive messages <laughs> that's the way they put it that's the way they put it back in the day back in the day a reproductive message was I love you just the way you are, <laughs> yeah. or, or, even, or even simpler than that, you know, yeah, yeah. or you know, just the way you look tonight, you know. And uh, so, yeah, those were, and, and when men were tough guys, yeah, and could pull um, off, could pull off a mean fedora. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, and could actually sing on the way down a fire pole like Dean Martin, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, listen, I I know, you know, forgive me for saying this, but because no one really cares about CD sales anymore, uh, it, is it really all about the concerts? And are you coming up to the north of the border, John Tesh? Yeah, we yeah we yeah we will. We're, we're actually putting together uh, more shows right now. It, you're right; it isn't about that. We we do sell CDs at the at the concerts and all that, but we you know a lot of people come to our shows. They want an experience, and yeah. and we're all about that. I mean, we're it's probably I think it's one of the best bands out there, except for me, you know. And, and it's and it's just it's this tremendous twelve piece band, and uh, it is. If you close your eyes, you are back in the twenties and the thirties, which was what we were going for. Do you ever just you know in the middle of a, this big band concert thing you're doing? Uh, do you ever just feel like busting out into some some killer rock band organist solo? You know, like back in your back in your high school days. Oh my gosh, we do that all the time. We absolutely do. We, we, it's usually during sound check, but, but you know everybody in the band has played with everybody. So our bass players play with you know Jethro Tull and the guys from Yes. Rick Wakeman is an old friend of mine now, oh. and we will yeah it'll it, in sound check. We'll like do our version of Roundabout, or we usually don't do it and get a concert because people's heads spin around. But, um, <laughs> but, but hey, I'm rapping at the concert, so there you go. Oh, but but yeah, so, so so Aqualong will pop out. Nice. Uh, owner of a Lonely Heart, you know stuff like nice. that. Nice, progressive rock guys. Yeah. All right, best rock band organist ever. Is it Tom from Boston, or, or you know uh, uh, Terry Levitz from uh, Dixie Dregs, or one of the guys from Kansas, or you know who, who do you pick? Who do you pick, man? Uh, uh, Lee Michaels or. Um, uh, what's his name? Oh gosh, uh, uh, Brian Auger. Lee uh, Michaels or Brian Auger, the two best. Right, yeah. right, all right. Yeah. Brian Auger from the Oblivion Express. I thought this was going to be a boring interview because it's your third time in our show, and I, I've got no dirt on you. Well, I did. I had a little bit of dirt, but uh, <laughs> you, do, you do now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but John, man, I just really like what you do, John. Thank you so much, and good luck with those coyotes. <laughs> My pleasure. Blessings on you. Thanks, John. Bye bye. John Tesh on the Drew Marshall Show. Lots more coming up. Stay with us. It's far beyond the stars.
it's me. You're listening to the Drew Marshall Show, Canada's most listened to spiritual talk back program. I know. Maybe you've been thinking about advertising your organization on the radio, but don't really have the budget for a long term marketing campaign? Well, what if we gave you a show? The Drew Marshall Show is currently offering an innovative advertising concept for the small business owner or charity. With web stats and listenership at an all-time high, Canada's most listened to spiritual talk show is offering you an opportunity to partner with us one show at a time. Consider sponsoring one show and we'll introduce you to our listening audience for the day. Drew will mention your organization every hour during our four-hour show, including a live phone interview. We'll also post your logo and website link on our website for an entire month. If you're thinking about promoting a special event, product, or upcoming sale, or if you just want to test the radio advertising waters without a huge investment, then consider becoming a one-day advertising partner with The Drew Marshall Show. Go to drewmarshall.ca for details or call Joy1250 on 905-845-2821, extension 367. That's 905-845-2821, extension 367.